So Syria once again uh, came out with their campaign for domestic abuse against women, and that's why uh, you saw the players wearing um, a, a red mark on their face, uh, you know, to stand against uh, domestic abuse. And it's a nice touch, and we appreciate it as always. Uh, now do something about racism. Uh, this is the Serie A Sit Down World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. I'm Frank Ravello. Uh, with me, as always, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Yes, uh, yeah, that campaign that, uh, that they ran for the domestic abuse, that's something I hold near and dear to my heart. So uh, I'm glad they did that, but I agree with you. I mean, they also need to, you know, I'm glad they did that, but they also need to step up on, uh, on the racism game. Uh, but yeah, I'm, other than that, I'm good. How are you, Frank? I'm great. I'm great. I want to, um, I want to start by, first of all, giving a shout out, uh, uh, to, um, everybody, I, we had an event last night for my high school alma mater, Marquette University High School, um, celebrated the 50th anniversary of the soccer program there. Um, longstanding history, rich tradition. Uh, you know, it's been the best boys soccer program in Wisconsin for pretty much that entire time. Um, just such a privilege to be a part of it. it was great to see a whole bunch of old faces. Great to see, you know, the three coaches that have, have been the, the coaches during that era. Um, and, uh, again, good to see some old faces and proud to be a part of that program. It was a really great night, uh, great turnout for the event. I think we had some 150 to 200 people, uh, turn out for it. So it was pretty cool. Good to see some old classmates and things like that. So, uh, a shout out to my alma mater, Marquette university high school. Um, and, uh, uh, great to see, uh, all the old mugs again. So, um, just wanted to get that quick plug, out of the way so uh so that was my that was my night last night it was it was a great time uh enjoyed plenty of uh alcoholic beverages too in the process so how about you yeah you know uh i noticed that you have a berry white thing going on tonight which is uh it's always good i'm sure the ladies love that um yeah my weekend <laughs> my weekend's been pretty uh pretty nice so far um relaxing got a lot of stuff done this is going to be a short week coming up with the thanksgiving holiday here in the u.s so yeah, I'm excited. Just trying to crank out some videos as fast as I can and uh, obviously do the podcast tonight. Uh, looking forward to it because we are not alone. Yeah, we are. We're not alone. We've got a guest. Uh, and he has said that he, is, he, uh, he, he got out of his hiatus of uh, Serie A coverage. By the way, the Barry White voice, I'm not doing this on purpose. I came down with a pretty ugly sinus cold uh, in the middle of the week. And this is just the remains of that cold. My voice just took a beating from it. So... Uh, but let's get to our guest. Um, he is the co-host and writer for Far From Vesuvius, uh, father of three best sons one could ask for, barbershop salon, salon owner, born and raised in Yonkers, New York. And uh, with us, uh, I think this is cap number four for him. He can tell us. Uh, joining us, Rafa Rispo. Ciao, Rafa. Ciao, Frank. Ciao, Richard. How are you guys doing? Yeah, this is cap number four for me. I knew it. There you go. Yeah. That's yeah. gonna be the only thing I get right tonight. So, <laughs> uh, so, so at least you know. So at least I got something. So, how you been, man? I've been good, man. Notwithstanding the uh, disaster that's going on with my club, um, uh, you know, personally, life is great. Everything is good. Ready for the holidays here. Business is good. Kids are good. What more can you ask for besides uh, maybe a Napoli win every now and then? <laughs> and did I? And did I, I? I see through some of the video feeds and things like that. You are engaged. 
Uh, yes, I am happily engaged. Congrats, uh, sir. Congrats. So thank you very much. Thank you. And, and, um, and why? Are, and why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> I don't know, really. I don't know. It, it, it hasn't been so bad so far, to be honest with you. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what's going. We'll see what happens later. But, but no, yeah, everything is great, man. I'm engaged to a beautiful woman who is great to my boys and great to me. So there's not much I can ask for. There's not much more I can ask for, man. It's it's a good life right now. It's a good life. Bravo. In all seriousness, uh, very happy for you. Uh, Thank you, know, you best- sir. Uh, best wishes uh best wishes as you guys are planning uh planning the wedding and planning planning out your lives together so um uh so uh, but you mentioned uh, napoli and your fiance supports napoli right there with you so so there you go um yes, uh let's talk about this game uh milan and napoli will uh kick things off with that uh you know two teams that you, you know it's if if you watch what they're doing on the pitch and you kind of watch the performances you know, I mean, it's it's convenient to say when you look at the results that both of these teams, you know, are kind of in a downward spiral. Milan fans that have been watching every game would actually argue they're not in a downward spiral. They're actually improving. They're just being hard done by some of these results. And they're having this go one way for them, this going the other way for them. You know, and then you have a Napoli side who Richard and I in detail uh, a couple of weeks ago before the break uh you know, hoped to try to calm the uh, Partenopei supporters down, looking at the fixture list, looking at the the run of disappointing results uh, by their standards, and, and justifiably so. Uh, Napoli fans have gotten used to a lot of success over the years. Uh, a lot of talk about Ancelotti, should he go, should it be time to make a change? And we looked at that fixture list, looked at the the results not quite getting there, but look at the quality of the teams that they played and said, you know, playing every three days, you know, hard to say that anything here is really sackable. Um, so two teams that really could have used three points here. Um, and, and the match took place at the San Siro. You know, I mean, long story short, uh, and Rafa, we'll start with you. It, while it was two teams that really were desperate and could have used the three points, I'm willing to just, you know, put a blanket statement on this and say neither team played as if they were desperate for these three points. No, they didn't. And, you know, you're right. It, 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 you can you can say that both teams really needed something from this game. Um, uh, I, I really do. You know, on the Napoli side of things, we really did need something, you know, and, and you know, it's it's not even the draw. I, I mean, it is the draw. Obviously, it's four four draws and a loss in our last five. So, you know, coming coming to Milan to win was was supposed to have been the objective um but uh, but looking like you know they were in a fight even would have been you know would have been good for me i mean personally i think putting up some sort of a fight or 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 you know trying i just I just look at like a bunch of lost souls on the pitch to be honest with you and it's it's pretty disheartening this is our worst run since march third march 2013 um worst run of performances and you know, you, you you factor in the the three matches a week and the you know the the pressure that's on on the team to to perform and you know that that's all good and well, but you know when when is when is the performance is going to stay? Because now you're asking the team to go to to Liverpool on Wednesday and and try to get something from there, which you know let's just face it, run a form, you know. 
shows that Napoli are going to get dismantled on Wednesday. And luckily, we're still, you know, we're, we have a fight left in the Champions League. And it's just, uh, it's it's not it's not a good time, um, um, uh, you know. And and it's it's it, you, you expect, and it's weird to say you expect to go to Milan to get a, to get a win. You know, nowadays, and and it just we we fell flat on our face, to be honest with you. Sure, and Richard, with Milan, I mean, three points to just show, hey, this this really is working under Pioli. And I think if you looked at Milan's performance, it is working under Pioli. And now they just need to win games. Yeah, it's slowly coming, slowly coming together. Um, the, though the results aren't haven't been quite there. The if you're watching the play on the pitch, it is getting it is getting better. Conti has gotten better over the last five games uh, through all of his starts. Teo Hernandez has obviously been a blessing. Uh, him at left back, uh, the, the attackers are starting to find their way. Bonaventura is back in the lineup, and he looked really he looked really good in this one, especially in the first half. Uh, so overall, the team is getting better. The team is playing better. It's just, again, the, the few mistakes they make during the game come back and bite them hard, unfortunately. And the board in the past, if they made mistakes, you know, they could, they could, they make several mistakes and then maybe one of them would catch them. But this time, you make, you make one or two mistakes and both those times, teams will be clinical with them. And so that's uh, the unfortunate part for them. So it looks a lot worse than it is. But I like the way that the project is going right now. You just wish those, uh, draws and losses would be wins instead. But, uh, you you got to take what you can get, and, and at least we're seeing progression, and that's the main thing. Because if it wasn't progressing, then would be, I'd be more worried. But I'm not at the, at at present how I'm how I watch every game. Sure, let's talk about Milan's lineup. Um, and they go with uh, Donnarumma in goal, obviously Conte, Musacchio, Romagnoli, and Teo, which has kind of been standard here under uh, Pioli. The midfield he goes with Bilia over Benacer. Um, with uh, flanked by Rade Krunic and Lucas Paqueta. Uh, originally, Souza was supposed to start, but he got the poops, uh, so Ante <laughs> Rebic had to start in his place. Um, and uh, Chalhanolu was suspended, so Giacomo Bonaventura getting his first start of the season, and then uh, the increasingly useless Christoph Piontek uh, starting at the striker position. Thoughts on the 11? Uh, not terribly surprising the uh, late scratch with Suzo, though, uh, did raise some eyebrows. And in my opinion, I thought, hey, we got a shot. Yeah, uh, the, the only thing really is uh, seeing Bilia in there, and but I, I get why he was in there. Um, overall, I was I was fine. I was happy to see Rebic in there because maybe he get another opportunity to uh, really show what he can do. But uh, unfortunately, you know, coupled with injuries and, and, again, the lack of confidence is still not doing him any well. But, you know, overall, I like the way the team that was shaped out there. And... Um, Hey man, glad to see Bonaventura out there. It just uh it's been a long time since he's been in the starting lineup and you know, he had a horrific injury last year and then now he's back and he clearly is a catalyst for this team and for the fans we saw in this game. Uh but yeah, I like the, I like the lineup. Yeah, and the skitters, the shits, uh did a bad piece of meat for the Spaniard or something like that. So um they yeah, late scratch, got sick. Uh that's you know, at least what I read. But anyway. Uh uh, Rafa, it was Merritt and goal, uh, back four of Di Lorenzo, Maksimovic, uh, Koulibaly, and uh, Elside Husay. lucky for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Jose Callejon, Allen, uh, Piotr Zielinski, and Elzy Felmas, and then the two-man uh, front of Lothano and uh, Lorenzo Insigne. Surprises you? I mean, what surprises me when I saw this lineup, not a Milik to play from the start, not a, you know, I mean, Llorente has been coming on as a substitute. Right. As a Milan supporter, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, how about an out and out nine that can that can put some pressure, 
maybe not so much on Romagnoli because he seems to deal with it so well, but when you got a guy like Musacchio who can get careless and reckless, you get a guy up against him like like a Llorente or a or, or a Milik that could, you know, make him think about some things and put him in some put him in some difficult situations. What did you think of uh, Ancelotti's selection here? Well, first of all, let's talk about that because Ancelotti to me ha- hasn't been able to find a steady 11 uh since the beginning of the season uh and it it's it's a little bit frustrating um as much as we all were craving you know a manager who knows how to rotate his squad properly um but you know he's like the king of rotation um, you know, we do have the match on Wednesday, as I mentioned earlier. So seeing guys like Husai coming in, uh, Maximovich, Elmas, you know, it, it was, was like me assuming he's like erring on the side of caution to, you know, hopefully get something from Liverpool because let's face it right now, the only thing that, that we have going for us is our stance in the champions league. And if we were to blow that, you know, who, who knows? Um, but uh, there was also a lot of talk about Ancelotti going with a four, three, three to kind of change things up, uh, you know, and, uh, lo and behold, he, he doesn't. Um, so you mentioning an, a number nine coming in, um, and, and ex- expecting a number nine come in, I honestly did think that they were going to go with the Insigne Callejon um, Mertens front three with uh, Alan Zielinski and uh, Fabian in the midfield. Um, and it just didn't happen, and it was a little disappointing. Uh, they, he did stick with the 4-2-2, but you can tell, you know, in certain parts of the match, you know, Callejon would move up a little bit to make it to make a four three three. Um but you know, I don't know. It just like it was nice to see Almas because he's such a young and you know exciting young player. Uh it was surprising to see him start after the bit of controversy that he was involved with. Um you know, talking during a Silencio Stampa on um international duty, talking about Napoli and you know being threatened with fines. Uh, so that was, that was fun too. Uh, you know, we, we've been through all, we've been through it all. It's, it's, it's incredible, but you know, with the lineup, I mean, there's not much to say about it. I mean, it screams of rotation, rotation, rotation. And, you know, because we were very excited to see a manager come in to rotate, you know, we get what we ask for, you know, and 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 now we're kind of clamoring for a, a more regular, front, you know, a starting 11 and we're, we're really not getting it. Yeah, I did, you, you almost missed Saudi because uh, you knew what you were getting every time. right? Eh, almost, almost missed Saudi. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, and, and that's a that's another conversation. I mean, as beautiful as Saudi was playing, you know, if you ask me, I think that the, the change was necessary, uh, you know, when when Ancelotti came in. And, you know, this is on a much broader spectrum, you know, um, uh, Saudi was tiring players out and uh, using, you know, plug and play substitutions and basically giving you the same thing every week. And it was working because we were winning. But by February, March, we were tired. So we were all like, okay, when when is he going to rotate? players when is he going to use bench players and he never did but now it's like uh Ancelotti's using the whole squad and can't find his regular 11 and it just showed in this match because 
you know, he had two weeks to figure it out being off on international duty and he comes out with this lineup and I feel like either he was a taking Milan a bit too lightly or B just preparing for, for Liverpool on Wednesday. Yeah. I balancing act for sure. Um, I mean, if he's putting all of his eggs into the Anfield basket, that's, uh, that's definitely interesting. Um, you know, one of those where, and you get players coming back from international break, they're coming back from all over the place and, you know, what have you, and how much time, how much time do you have for training? And you're, you're caught in one of those spots where, you know, do you put the emphasis on uh champions league? Do you look at this game and say, Hey, let's go to the San Diego, let's try to get something out of it. And then uh, a draw is not going to bother us too much. Uh, and it'll be all the more worthwhile if we can find a way to win this game at Anfield. So, um, you know, we'll see you know, as far as the action itself. And I mean, I just, cause we're, we're having a general conversation, uh, about the two clubs because I mean, frankly, the action in the game, uh, there wasn't a whole lot, you know? Uh, and I think that, uh, Milan started the game. Well, uh, you know, generated some chances, uh, put Napoli under some pressure. Uh, I think that, uh, 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 Piontek had a header that just barely went wide uh, among some of the chances uh, that Milan were getting that weren't particularly troubling merit. Um, but uh, it would be Napoli that would open in the scoring in the 24th minute. Uh, cardinal rule with defending and clearances. You go low and down the middle, you're in trouble. Uh, and that's what happened. Uh, it fell to Insigne, who took a shot, hit the post. Uh, Milan not reacting to the second ball. Uh, Lothano getting there first and heading it past uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma. Um, Ralph, we'll start with you. Lozano, just opportunistic goal for him there. And uh, kind of a, you know, the way the game was going, uh, kind of a look what I found lead for Napoli. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he he's, he's actually been a bright spot of the team, you know, when... You know, it took him a little while to get integrated with the with the club to get accustomed to Serie A, if you ask me. Uh, and you know, he scored in this match. He scored in the Champions League match um, against Salzburg to draw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, he he's actually been playing well. He's been he's been getting in there. He's been you know in, involved in a lot of 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 the attack and in the, in the action. And he was lucky enough to be in the right spot uh, at the right time for the Insigne shot that went off the crossbar. I believe it took a deflection too. But I mean, I mean, how many times is Napoli going to hit the crossbar? And 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 the post and get a near miss and get a call the wrong way and 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 you know it was nice to see that uh, you know from from a shot that went off the crossbar uh, we could produce a goal and uh, you know like I said right place right time um, I'm not going to diminish you know what what um, Lozano has been has been doing for us in the past few games uh, and I'm happy to see it but I feel like it's just that when. When you know, it, like Milik wasn't scoring, and then now he 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 scored. You know, in in his last five games he played before this recent injury, he's he's got now. I believe that's why he hadn't hadn't started. He did pick up a little bit of a knock uh, with with the Polish national team. Um, you know, but when he gets hot, the rest of the team went cold. And now that Lozano's kind of found his his way, you know, we've got a lot of other problems besides being just cold. Um, 
and uh, but but at least he's a bright spot to the team right now, and and I'd like to con- to see him continue his form. Yeah, for sure. And Richard, uh, I mean, this has just been par for the course with Milan. I mean, they get out to they they the performance is fine, chance creation is fine, but if they're not finishing their chances, if they're not getting a little bit more dangerous with the opportunities they have going forward. It just comes back to bite them, and here we go again. Uh, Milan find themselves down because of a another critical defensive error. Yeah, I, I, again, as uh, the errors they make are magnified and, and the teams capitalize on their mistakes very quickly, uh, point in case, like you said, right up the middle, uh, ends up going to Insigne. Insigne, as, as Rafa mentioned, the shot gets deflected, but you know, hits off the post. Um, and the team was really did not react well to the turnover and then the, the shot off the post because, like I said, Lozano was right there for the rebound uh, with nobody else even close to him. So, um, yeah, it was, it was sixes and sevens back there, and it's, uh, that's unfortunate. Um, they play well. They play well, but it's, those mistakes are hurting them now, and uh, every team seems to capitalize them any time they make one or, one or two mistakes. So um, that was just a prime example. But five minutes later, a... Uh a reliable face uh, rescues them. Uh, Giacomo Bonaventura with a goal of the week candidate in the 29th minute. Um, set up by Rod- Rade Krunic, Richard, who I think with every game and every opportunity he's getting to start is growing more and more comfortable in the role. And for me, I thought I thought Krunic was one of the best players in this game. Um, I mean, for the lack of quality chances that came from either team in this game. And I know that there was one from Insigne close to halftime. You know, you take a look at where the performances were and you're trying to dissect everything. But for me, I mean, yeah, the, the Bonaventura's goal goal was great. Welcome back, Jack. So we want to talk talk about him a little bit and talk about how important that is for him in terms of making his comeback. But also, let's talk Radek Kurunic here because I think we're starting to see a little bit more of the man that uh, – came on like gangbusters for Empoli in the second half of last season. Yeah, and also let's not forget that uh, Husai tried to join the Rossoneri by trying to score on his own team, but that's beside the yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. That's beside the point. Uh, yeah, no, My favorite been... defender. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> uh, Kroonis has been playing really well lately, and I'm glad that he's finally getting the start. Um, he needs the pitch time. All players do need the pitch time to, to get back into the groove that they were. Kroonis played a lot over the last past couple seasons because he was a main starter, and then now being you know resigned to the bench. Uh, it's obviously going to hurt his game, but so he's had some consistent games now, and it's and it's showing each game he is getting better. Um, and so this game, this assist, nice little a, a touch pass to to Bonaventura. I mean, he didn't have to do too much. He did put it in the right place, and, and and Jack got it in stride. And, and like you said, goal of the week candidate. Um, and you see you see when that goal scored, how much that meant not only to him because he went running back down to the curva, uh, but the fans were just ignited. I mean, that, this is one of the most beloved players on the team and so having him score having him back in the lineup is just it's huge and and Bonaventura played really well in this game I thought um uh I know you said you like Krunich and I like Bonaventura in this game he he was lively in this one especially in the first half so um having both those players uh play the way they did it's gonna hopefully lead to more pitch time more starting time because I think both these players deserve being on the pitch uh, in the starting 11 over uh, some of the other players that uh, were, were left out of this one or even started in this one. So um, I'm glad to have both of those players in the lineup and, and playing fairly well. I mean, I'm just going to give the edge to Krunic 
Bonaventura got the goal, played lively, got no fight with anybody that wants to say that Bonaventura was the best player on the pitch for Milan in this game. I I, I see some of the crucial ball winning that Kunic did, the intercepting, some of the tackles uh, that he won in this game, and then also just helping to keep the ball and helping to create, uh, you know, some key chances. So, you know, I saw a, a midfielder that had, you know, multiple tools, if you will, to what he was doing. Um, you know, and getting the assist on Bonaventura's goal. I mean, it was a cracking goal. Uh, you know, so that's where that's where I am as far as my opinion about maybe Krunic being the best player for Milan in this game. Um, a as I mentioned, a late chance, and, and Richard mentioned uh, uh, Husai nearly put the ball in his own goal. Uh, thankfully for Napoli, and uh, it went over on the uh, other side of the post uh, and went out for a corner. Um, and then, uh, like I said, I think the other clear danger chance in the first half was Insigne being played in. I'm part of me thinks that if he had scored, that they would have had a look at that. Um, hard to say. I don't know. I don't know if the replay showed if he was offside or not, but uh, uh, but they would have at least had a look at that. But um, halftime, one-one. Uh, uh, the Milan has to make a change out of necessity. Rebic gets hurt. Kessie comes on. Uh, so that shuffles things even further. Um, and then uh, substitutions are being made here for, for Napoli. Uh, Dries Mertens comes on for Jose Callejon. Uh, and then Insigne comes off injured uh, as Amin uh, Yunus comes on, Rafa. Uh, anything on the uh, Insigne injury? Was this a just a knock or just uh, anything a little bit further? I haven't had a chance to take a look. You know, I'm going to be 100% honest with you and tell you that I haven't had a chance to look myself, um, but I don't think it's anything serious. I think he just um, just got a little knock. Um, I believe it was – I believe – I mean, he was clutching his, his forearm, so I think it was something something to do with that. But honestly, um, the going back to the Cajon substitution, um, I think it was the right move to make. Uh, he was very uninspired and uh, bringing Mertens in, you know, seemed seemed to like like cause a bit of a spark for for a couple of minutes. Uh, bringing Eunice on for for uh, for Insigne was a bit of a surprise to me. I could have I could have swore they would have had, uh, you know, Lozano and Mertens on the side and him and then bring in like Llorente for for Insignia and just just shuffle a little bit um but uh you know Eunice came in and he's a great player too um but you know honestly it just it, it wasn't enough um and you know there's not there's really not a lot to say i mean Insignia had that chance with uh like the, the, like you mentioned um the one on one with with uh, Donnarumma and n- not for a second was i excited to to think that he would score because just Insigne has just been pretty god awful lately there was another chance that he had in the in the second half where um you know he 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 faked to his right like he always does and took a shot that just like trickled uh you know far far left and just seemed very like like too left feetish and i don't know if that was a half you know let's let's save him for liverpool or a half you're just not doing anything today and 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 go sit down 
um, or if the injury was was anything serious. Um, I do know that he was he was in a little bit of pain. Um, and I'm, as I'm speaking, I'm currently trying to see if if there's any updates on the injury right now. But as far as I know, not nothing too serious. Yeah, I'm seeing it's I'm seeing nothing. So I'll assume precaution and. Uh... Uh, let him get fit for let him get fit for Champions League. I can so. tell you that he wasn't too thrilled with being substituted, and that's just. I mean, you can attribute that to him. I guess being you know wanting to be out there for his team and 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 try. But when you're doing nothing, you know, to to deserve pitch time, then you got to sit down. I'm very I'm being very critical of, of Insigne right now because we're just we're not very happy with him. Sure, I mean you're used to seeing him being more productive. Um, you know, by his standards, he had a shot on target, three off target. He had the one that hit the woodwork that set up Lozano. Um, but, uh, you know, lost possession uh, almost a third of the time he got it when he, got, when he sure. had the ball. You don't normally see that from him. Um, he's usually doing something to, to create a scoring chance or to, you know, to play to a teammate or to take his own shot, which he likes to do. Uh, mm-hmm. So... You know, so yeah, and you want more from your captain. You know, you you want more from your captain when it comes to times like this. You, like we had with with you know Paulo Cannavaro and and Marek Hamsik when they were captains. You know, right. you kind of want more from the guy who's supposed to be the leader of the club. You know, to put put the team on the back and say, let's go, let's go get these three points that we desperately desperately need. And you know, it just isn't happening. At least Allen looked terrific. Absolutely, yeah. That that that's another pretty good, you know, point of the match. There, Alan was was pretty good, and and you know, despite the reports that uh, they're looking to sell him in the summertime now, especially after what happened with the whole, the whole, um, you know, quote unquote backstage incident. Um, you know, we're we're not too sure where anyone stands right now in this club. To be honest with you, it's 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 pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, and I, Richard, let's. Uh, I'll I'll give you a chance to ask uh, Rafa what you want here about Napoli and the current situation. But let me bring it back to you as far as how this game flowed. I mean, we're talking about maybe the two best players in this game. And I know Richard, you're you're giving your vote to Bonaventura. Um, I I think that the reason why we didn't really see a whole lot of events was performances from guys like Alan and Rade Krunic, the ball winning that they did, and a lot of things getting broken up before they could even happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I think Alan was probably the best player on the, on the pitch for both teams. Uh, I, the, yeah, this the stuff he was doing, like to snuff out, snuff up plays, doing things offensively. He nearly scored a goal on one play, uh, just going like dancing around the Milan defenders, uh, pushing Calabria to the side. Uh, Alan was doing everything in that game, and uh, he looked very, very good. I mean, he is he's an excellent player, and he looked just like it. I mean, he was by far, I thought, not by far, but he was the best player I think for for either team, and um, deservedly so. Yep. Um, anything you want to let's uh, anything you want to ask Rafa here? Let's deep dive a little bit here on Napoli uh, while we're at it. Uh, a team that uh, is in crisis. If you ask Napoli supporters, there's a lot of um, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think any that it's panic mode, but this is a bit of a this is a bit of a run that last few years they're not used to. Yeah, and so Rafa, I'm, I am interested because 
you know, lots of uh, Tifosi from Napoli are, are screaming for a change to happen at, at the helm. Um, I'm curious how, what your thoughts are on that situation with, with Ancelotti. Should he stay? Should he go? Uh, what's your, what's your, your, your opinion on it? Well, uh, Frank, I will tell you this, man. It is very close to panic mode. Uh, some Most fans already are in panic mode. Um, um, as far as Richard Ancelotti goes, I'm of the opinion that we don't, we don't, we don't let him go until at least after the group stage. Um, but that's only if we somehow don't make the group stage. I mean, don't make the round of 16, um, in the champions league, but because, you know, and we'll talk about this later when we talk about the Champions League, but we're very close to, to qualifying for the round of 16. And if anything, Ancelotti is a manager of tournaments. And, you know, when Napoli are playing at their tippy-top shape, they they can beat anybody in the world. And they've already beaten the, you know, two-time finalists reigning champions of Europe, you know? So, uh I say no. I say don't get rid of him yet. I say that uh, you know we keep him. Also, you know, a big reason why I don't think we'd let him go yet is because I don't think uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis is uh, too keen on firing Ancelotti midseason and having to pay for another manager for the rest of the season and then and then you know beyond whatever Ancelotti's contract is. Um, um, I just don't think it's going to happen yet. Uh, you know. We are in a really bad way, and there's a lot of problems with this club off the pitch uh, that is translating to on the pitch. Um, I'm going to try, and I'm going to catch a lot of heat from a lot of Napoli fans, including some of my very own podcast mates. (laughs) At least we're not losing four out of five. You know, uh, I'm trying to see half glass half full, and we're we're doing enough to, to, to get draws. It's just we, we look very uninspired while we do it, and something stinks in the Napoli dressing room, and that's for sure. So whether it's uh, Ancelotti or the players or ADL or whatever, I think it's a mixture of, of everybody and everything. Um, and the most logical thing to do right now is to you know try to hire a new manager, but um, you know it'd be the easiest thing to do. But I just don't think we. It, I don't think anybody can come into this locker room and, you know, fix what's going on. I think it has to be internal. I think everybody has to get on the same page, um, and it's got to happen very, very soon because time is running out. How about this? Uh, how about this story about um, Allegri was at the game and uh, apparently uh, listening intently to Napoli press officer uh, Guido Baldari. Uh, this is from the uh, Football Italia staff. Uh, just yeah. a little blurb that I'm seeing is that uh, uh, your opinion on the possibility of Allegri maybe taking the reins, and, and do you do you see that being viable, and do you see that being workable with the existing players that he has to work with? I'll tell you what I th- I didn't think too much of it when I saw him in the stands during the game or or they had announced it, but um you know the, the after the game and I've had a little bit of time to to process it, um I I do think there's something else there you know uh, uh it would be very Aurelio De Laurentiis esque of asking 
Allegri to the match to speak with Napoli representation and uh, possibly talk about some, you know, a plan B because, um, you know, to be quite honest with you, um, Napoli aren't playing beautiful football anymore. Uh, the players that they have were the players that were playing beautiful football under Sari, and now under Ancelotti, they're not playing it. And it's not like Max Allegri played beautiful football with Juventus, but they won no. games. I, and and if, I think it comes down to the players on the pitch, man. We've got guys like, you know, Callejon, Koulibaly, Mertens, Insigne, you know, Alan, who have been with the club for six plus years. It's the old guard, so to speak. And um, it's just not working anymore. So I don't know if I'm, if Allegri can come in with this this set of players and and you know rally the troops and and get us on the right track. Now you know I remember when you know Andre Villas Boas was fired from from Chelsea and was it Villas Boas? I don't remember, but he was fired from Chelsea midway through. You know, they, they, they got out of their group in the Champions League and then played Napoli at uh, San Paolo in the in the Champions League back in 2012. Uh, lost 3-1 in the first match, and then in the second leg, he was re- before the second leg, he was replaced by uh, uh, Di Matteo, and they ended up winning the whole the whole Champions League, which right. you know is is something that I keep thinking to myself. Well, if we can make this change after the group stage, and have Max Allegri come in to get us to the final somehow, some way, <laughs> you know how how you know ironic would that be? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but. But I just don't know, man. I, I don't think I don't think that we can make too much noise in the Champions League anymore. I don't think you know, I really think it needs to it has to come down to everybody getting back on the same page. I just think there's some people that are not on the same page and and that's not that's not a good thing. So I'm not too sure if a change is going to help this team get back on track. Richard, uh, as it affects Milan, uh, at Parma, at Bologna, hosting Sassuolo, that's the next three games. After playing Juventus very well at Juve, after playing, maybe not playing the most attractive game against Napoli, but getting a point against Napoli, which, you know, even the most pessimistic Milan supporter, or should I say optimistic a Milan supporter would have their concerns if we could get something out of the game, uh, even with all of Napoli's struggles on the surface, you want to take a look at Parma. You want to take a look at, at, at Parma at Bologna hosting Sassuolo. And, you know, you look at how those teams are playing, but with the progress that the team is making on the pitch under Pioli, there needs to be at least six out of a possible nine points here, uh, for Milan fans to finally start to get encouraged by what's going on, right? I think so, and it's going to be difficult because these three teams have the potential to score goals as well. So um, it's going to be difficult, a difficult road for Milan to try to get this, you know, six points in these next nine, and it's possible next nine points. Um, Parma can score in bunches now with Kulishevsky, Bologna with Orsolini and and um, Palazzo. They're scoring goals, and obviously Sassuolo they get the beautiful team goals. So. 
Um, it's not going to be easy, but I, I agree with you. I think uh, for Milan fans to start to get on Pioli's side and, and start seeing some kind of hope, um, you got to get at least two wins in the next three games because then you go to Atalanta against Atalanta, and that's a difficult, difficult fixture. Um, and then you got Cagliari, you know, not too far after the horizon after that. So uh, these are must-win games in the sense that these are beatable teams. These are teams that are technically around your level right now. I mean, if you look at the personnel, Milan have better players, but um, if you look at the table, they're all in the same. They're all right there. So Milan need to get the wins against these uh, like opponents and and move on up the table if they want to uh, keep their fans um, from being restless, I guess. Indeed, indeed. So um, I'm in agreement with that. I think they've got to get six six points out of nine. You've got a Parma team that's playing really well. Um, and trying to entrench their place in the top half of the table, going to Bologna, who, you know, are suddenly starting to find their struggles in the Sassuolo team that, you know, can be entertaining to watch when they have the ball, but when they don't have the ball, they can be a freak show. So at least six out of nine has got to be available for Milan. We'll have to see what happens. But the progress is there. You come out of Juve and Napoli with a point, not incredibly desirable but right now with the condition that this club is in and with the way things are going with Milan um, may be acceptable but start beating some of these teams that are now around you uh, so so definitely there so that was Milan and Napoli with uh, you know some discussion we're going to talk a little more Napoli as we go through the podcast here with Rafa uh, so let us know what you think uh, now we will break down Atalanta and Juventus and ooh, are we going to talk about this one Okay, so Atalanta hosting Juventus. This actually kicked things off. Um, and uh, Juve chose not to travel uh, or have Ronaldo travel for this. Um, that aside, uh, Atalanta and Juventus, I have just earned the adoration of Juventus fans all over social media, haven't I? Between everything I tweeted yeah, out I yesterday and now wonderful. what I'm saying now. <laughs> they're gonna love. They're gonna love me when this one comes out. Um, okay, so Atalanta came out with Galini and goal. Toloi, Palomino, Jim uh, City uh, is their back three. Hatibor, Deron, Froiler, and Hosens. Is it Hosens or Gozens? I've heard it pronounced both ways. Hosens. I- I- Italians pronounce them Gozens. Okay. Yeah. English speaking world says Gozens, but you know, <laughs> in, in his native tongue, who knows? Yeah. Right. Uh, Pasalic, uh, Papu, and uh, Musa Barrow uh, rounded out that team. So uh, the Ronaldo-less Juve went with Chesney, uh, Juan Cuadrado, uh, Leonardo Bonucci, Matias De Ligt, Matias De Cilio, uh, Sami Kadira, Milan Pjanic, and Rodrigo Bentancourt in front of that back four. Bernardeschi with Iguain and uh, Dybala uh, in attack. So... Um, First half action, uh, no goals in this. Uh, a penalty actually to Atalanta, and interestingly enough, um, and I'd like you know we should we should talk to Michael Lisi about this because he's an official. But the referee gave a penalty. It, it, Kadira kicked it up and struck his arm, and I've heard both sides of this. I've heard some say that it is a penalty. I've heard some say that in that particular situation, it should not be a handball infraction and a penalty. I will footnote this, that that side is mostly the Juve supporters um, saying that that's the clear letter of the law. I'm not sure. To me, a handball is a handball. 
Um, but who and, knows anymore, Frank? Really, right. who, who really knows anymore? I didn't even see it hit the foot. I thought it was a straight up penalty, and, that, and it wasn't even close. I thought I, I, I mean, I know people kept seeing it hit off the foot, but I looked the replay like twenty million times, and it, I didn't. Look, it looked like if it hit his foot, it grazed his foot. I mean, it, it went directly to his hand. It looked like straight up, and I thought it, it was a handball. And that's what the referee interpreted. And it did. I don't even. I can't recall. I don't even think they went to VAR, did they? I, they talked about it in his ear. I think. But they can, They just went ahead and gave the penalty. And they said there's not enough intent to strike a ball or the ball didn't strike his foot enough or something crazy like that. But nonetheless, uh, you know, to all of our surprise and amusement and joy, uh, you know, so a call goes against Juventus. Um, and for some odd reason, Musa Barrow takes the penalty and not yeah. Papu Gomez. And uh, disaster ensues. Nil-nil um, at halftime. Now, first half stats, Juve... Had more of the possession, but man, this was all Atalanta, Rafa. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, not once did I think that you know Juve looked anything like you know a a decent team with or without Ronaldo. I just uh, Atalanta outplayed them in every sense. You know, you you're right. Juve did maintain possession in the first half, but but you know, uh, every time I every time I looked up, Atalanta's got another chance. Uh, you know, and and I really feel like they were just outplayed for most of this match. Not not just the first half, most of the match. Five saves from Chesney, Richard, a big reason why this game wasn't decided in those first 45 minutes. He was completely world-class in that, in that in the whole game, really. But uh, some of the saves he made in that first half especially, I mean, what, what amazing saves. I mean, uh, there was a one-header by Pasolic that he got down really quick on. Another one that was a, a shot that was going destined to hit the crossbar and go in. Uh, he was just wonderful in that game. I mean, hands down, the best player, I thought. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I thought for the first half he was outstanding. Um, I mean, and you had vintage performances. The usual suspects for Atalanta came out to play. Hosens was great. Gomez, um, you know, miss penalty notwithstanding, Barrow was was a bit of an issue for for Juve to figure out back there too. Uh, but the back four held it together, especially in that first half, and came away uh, getting out of their goal is especially uh, thanks to the Polish international in goal, Wojciech Szczesny. Uh Going into the second half, and this is where it gets good. Um, it was, uh, the, the scoring would actually open in the 56th minute. Musa Barrow gets, works his way down to the, uh, end line there on the right-hand side, crosses it. And there isn't a Juve player within 20 yards of Robin Hosen's. It felt like uh free header, uh, into the back post and a goal, uh, for Atalanta that would give them the early one nil lead. Um, Dare I say it, Rafa? Um, I don't think Atalanta get a goal like that against Juve if this is Allegri's team. I think they're better, better prepared and better organized for a situation like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gosens was pretty much, you know, all by himself. Nobody was nobody was covering him. Um, um, this team, this Juve team, you know, has has clearly not found Saudi ball. I think they're just, you know, relying on their, you know, uh, talent and ability because let's face it, you know, as much as I absolutely hate to say it, I have to say it and be objective. The team is insanely talented and I think they're relying on, on, you know, a lot of that. And, um, no, uh, a Max Allegri team doesn't leave, 
Robin Gosens, you know, your 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 fullback <laughs> uh, right. open like that in the box. No, absolutely not. Um, let's. I mean, you you raised the point about that they haven't adapted to Saudi. You know, uh, more visible English speaking calcio heads than us are out there talking about how. Juventus are not adapting to Saudi. Saudi is adapting to Juventus. I'm going to rebut that. Um, when Saudi was at Chelsea, uh, Chelsea didn't adapt to Saudi in the first half of the season either. And they had more drastic results, uh, at least in the early going. It took them a long, long time. It, uh, the light bulb went off for Saudi to realize, okay, I should probably start this hudson Adoy kid. I should probably start this Loftus-Cheek kid. They're pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. but Saudi ball really took flight once those two were inserted. I think that my, my opinion about Juventus right now is and and Richard and, and Rafa, I'll, I'll let you guys decide if you agree with me or not. I don't think that's true. I think that Saudi is conveniently working with what has worked for Juventus through the last several years under Allegri and has adapted some of that. And as time goes on, you're going to see, Saudi ball take effect more and more. Uh, I don't think that this is something um, that we look at and say, yeah, Saudi's just decided to be part of resourceful Juve and and what they do. I don't think that's in his DNA. I think he wants to play his game. He just has not been able to get his team to turn over to that yet. And it took him an entire season to get there with Chelsea. I think the same thing is going on here with Juventus. I don't think that Saudi is really adapted to Juventus. I think he's taking those traits for the time being to get to get wins and to stay at the top of the table. You know, I, I, you know, Rafa can speak to this, but I, I think he's kind of doing, agreeing what you're saying, Frank, and kind of doing what Ancelotti did last year with Napoli, where uh, he kind of let you know Saudi ball play out uh, with Napoli, and then slowly change the change the formation, change the system until uh, the players start adapting to his, his system. So I, I think it's kind of like that right now with Sarri. He just let the team do what they do because the team is good and their their talent speaks for itself, and they can win games like like Rafa said earlier. Uh, and so, you know, come the second half of the season is when you're really going to see Sarri ball. I think we said in the beginning of the season, too, we said, like, you know, first half of the season is going to be, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to see Sarri ball. But once the second half season goes, uh, as the team, the season goes on, Sarri ball is going to start implementing itself and the team's going to start playing much, much more prettier. Um, and I think that's exactly what's going to be going to happen. I think that Sarri has the convenience of the talent that Juventus, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, and the habits have you know yeah. yes and the habits and you know and it, it was clear as day you know by by february like i mentioned earlier by february or march you needed to put an oxygen mask on a guy like mertens who can run all over the place you know and we've lost we lost the scudetto because of it we were you know uh first place in his first season where where it took five or six games for Sarri to have the players adapt to his style with Napoli, because we didn't have the best five or six matches when he first started with Napoli. Uh, you know, they ended up being winter champions with Juventus having the poor start that they had. And by March, Juventus were in first place and we were out of it. And, I think he has been able to take the team that he has, 
let them do their thing, and then slowly, like you mentioned, Frank, integrate Saudi ball. And this is going to be dangerous because once these guys have been able to implement Saudi ball, they're still they're they're not tired out by December, January, February. Now they they've still got a lot of energy in them, and you know their their bench can win a scudetto themselves. You know, so so that's something that I think Saudi had the advantage coming in. You know, and I didn't see that, you know, uh, 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 scenario because I'm thinking Mr. Stubborn Saudi is going to try to get his players to play his system. It's not going to work and they're going to they're going to have a lot of problems getting along and and trying to to get this going. And I really didn't think Juventus were going to do much this year. But 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 if this is what's going on, then it's going to be a really big problem. Yep. Yep, for sure. And that's what I think is going on here. So we, we, we discussed that point. That is actually one of the talking points. We just jumped the gun on it. But uh, the, uh, the, uh, the game would turn in the 74th minute. Uh, Miralem Pjanic plays in a ball that finds its way to Gonzalo Higuain, who turns and finishes. Def- a little bit of a deflection, uh, but made the game 1-1. Uh, Juventus began to uh, flex, try to flex their muscle here as they uh, as this game went on. Uh, and then uh, in the 82nd minute, and this is where the controversy uh, happens, um, Gonzalo Higuain scores uh, on, a pe- on a cross from Juan Cuadrado in the 82nd minute, but it is the incident that happened roughly 40 seconds before, and, and Juve Twitter pointed that out to me um, when it happened. Uh, a clear handball by Juan Cuadrado that was not called by an official. Atalanta had gotten the ball, and I, for whatever reason, the referee thought that maybe Atalanta had a clear possession advantage. There was nothing clear about the possession advantage that they had from that situation. It should have been whistled dead, should have been a handball, done deal. That didn't happen, so the ensuing, the ins- what ensues is that Juve is able to get a counter going, uh, and then score the goal to make it two goals to one. And I'm sorry, Juve Twitter, and you can be mad at me all you want, and you were mad at me when I came out and said it, but you are privileged, okay? You are privileged. This happens in Juve's favor way too much, okay? And I'm. what disappoints me is that, you know, throughout that, they, were, they, they replayed that at least three or four times. And I don't know who the British commentator is there with Matteo Benetti, but not once did those two guys say, hey, that's a handball. It should have been whistled right there. Not once. Instead, they kissed Juventus's ass the rest of the match. Okay? That's unacceptable. And that's, not, that's an indictment on Serie A. Okay? And that's an indictment on the people that we put up there that we need to trust to give us the information that we should be hearing. Okay? That was unacceptable. All right? And Benetti's a great guy. But I had a huge problem with how they praised Juventus for the rest of the game when that incident led to a goal that put Juventus ahead and allowed them to go on and get the three points. Okay, so I have a problem with that. I have a problem with Juve Twitter responding to me talking about that I only get mad when it happens to Juve. Okay, if you bother to listen to this podcast, I have praised Juventus way too much, way more than I probably should. Okay, I'm the one that came out and said, for the last eight years, you've been top of the table 83% of the time, and I credited Juventus for how astounding that is. All right, 
I praised them when they made their Champions League run to the final and eventually lost to Real Madrid. Okay? Um, you know, so don't sit here and tell me that I'm anti-Juve. I'm not. All right? I am going to point out that there are a lot of these controversial decisions that go in favor of Juventus. And to the guy that was responding to me, I simply said to him, look, 240 characters is not enough for me to give you all of the examples that have happened that I can point out to you. Okay, And I could fill your day with all of the incidents that Juventus have gotten away with all the way back to when the uh, goal was the Mutari goal was disallowed. Uh, that led to Juve's first of these eight Serie A titles in a row. Okay, So you've had plenty of them. You've had far more of them. And Richard will testify to this. If Milan got away with something, I call it out on this podcast. Yep. Richard calls it out on this podcast. Yep. Okay, If Napoli got away with something... We call it out. Rafa calls it out on his podcast. All right? We'll do it. But Juventus have gotten away with far more, and I'm sick and tired of Juventus Twitter and Juventus supporters getting defensive and getting in a shell and getting offended whenever we call it out. Stop getting offended. All right? You're the privileged, pampered team. You're the privileged, pampered fan base that gets to win title after title because referees continue to put decisions in your favor. Something stinks. And it's why wow. Rafa went on a hiatus from Serie A. Take it, Rafa. And it's why I'm going back on a hiatus, man. Because let me tell you something. That handball 40 seconds earlier, I heard was the, I heard that the, uh, the decision to not look at the handball was because Atalanta played the ball after the handball. Yet, and I can't name... A specific instance, but I have seen goals disallowed or calls gone the other way because of a foul that happens on the other side of the pitch a minute and a half before. You know, so I don't want to hear that the ball was played by Atalanta, so Cuadrado's handball was was unavailable for for VAR review. Unless that rule has changed in the rule book. No one's, no one's pointed that out to us. And, you know, if, if it is in the rule book, then follow it for every club, because I'm sick and tired of seeing these, these handballs not called for Juventus, but called for other teams. And it's, it's just, it's just annoying whether it's in the rule book or not. Every team should have to follow all of the rules all of the time and VAR should not be the ones, you know, uh, uh, deciding matches like that. Go look at the, go look at the review. The referee on the pitch should be able to go look at the review when it comes to stuff like that. When there's a goal that's involved, they should be looking at, at, at VAR, the referees on the pitch and that's it. And you know what? I'll go ahead and say it. The handball in the box that Atalanta got the penalty kick for the referee didn't go see it. Didn't go take a look at it uh, in, in the video scope on the pitch. He let VAR tell him, Oh, it's a handball. I'm sorry if it's in the box and it's going to, you know, cause, cause a, a possibility of a match to go one way or another. The referee should go look at it. So there you go. You've had, that's there. That's me telling you the referee should have gone to look at that, that handball in the box. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not, it's not right. I don't, I don't think the referees know what they're doing anymore. 
and the referees are way too in favor of Juventus. And I don't care who likes it or not, who says they are or not. You know, there's so many things I can talk about, about how the referees are basically sponsored by a, by a company that's owned by the Agnellis. You know, the national team wears Fiat on their practice jerseys. The FIGC is, is, is sponsored by Fiat. What, what more can, what more can you, you know, how, 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 how blind can you be to not see that, that if it's not, if it's not dirty and underhanded, it's definitely favoritism. And, and I'm just, this is why I'm on a boycott. I'm so tired of it. I can't, it's not fun anymore. Never mind that Napoli sucks right now. It's, it's not fun anymore. It's, it's ridiculous. And (laughs) I remember tweeting you, I think, you know, I, I, I left my boycott for this and it's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm going back on it. I did see that. Yes. Richard. Okay. So you both can attest that I am not a Juventus fan, right? Frank, you know, I'm a Milanista. Rafa, you know this, right? I'm, I, I'm not, I'm Mm. far from being a Juventus fan. So mm-hmm. on the on the premise, I agree with both of you. You know, Juventus are certainly privileged. Um, they get these get away with these calls way too often. Uh, I, I think it was like Rocker or someone says that you know all the top teams are privileged, and, and to an to an extent, yes. But Juve get far more calls than anybody else. Um, but actually, I think on the Quadrado play, I honestly have no opinion. Uh, no, um, I don't think anything was wrong with that play. I, I, that's my personal opinion. I watched the play several million times, not million times, but several, several, several times. Um, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion only, uh, when he goes down to slide to get the slide to, you know, get the ball with his foot, his hand was already out and then it hits his hand. So I didn't think it was intentional. Um, so, I, you know, I had no problem with the no call and I understand yeah, but, why I mean, people have the problem. Penalties, but. penalties are called for unintentional handballs all the time. I, I was mean, just going to say when the is same a handball thing, not Richard. intentional? Let's, let's keep it. When is a handball not intentional except for 1986? <laughs> <laughs> let's keep let's keep it let's keep it or, uh, uniform. Or, or who's the, 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 the shithead from Europe? Oh, Suarez, uh, uh, 2010. <laughs> but yeah, no, go, no, I mean, finish. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. No, the fact that he was on the ground. Anytime a player is on the ground sliding and it hits their hand while they're in the in the motion of sliding, not to move their hand. Uh, to try to get it, I think it's unintentional. I think the Kadira play was full out intention. I think uh, there's a play even later in the game. I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but um, I, I, did, I had no problem with the Quadrado play, and, and I normally do. I, I mean, I'll call Juve out all the time when I, when I see something I don't like. Uh, but this play in particular, I didn't have a problem with. And you know, uh, I understand where people see it. I see where you guys are seeing it completely. Uh, but to me, I just didn't have a, I, it. Didn't bother me that it wasn't called. I've seen far far worse that Juve have done that definitely get called uh, than that play. Uh, so I was okay with that, but I understand why where you guys are coming from, where most people are coming from. Yeah, I mean it was just uh, you know it was just a, it was just a sad thing to see, and it was an even sadder thing to see commentators that you know should know the game that say, hey, that's a handball. Why wasn't the ref- why didn't the referee call that? And then instead just proceeded to kiss Juventus's ass the rest of the game. So. Because um, that's what they did, and you just praise them for a comeback. But I'll tell you what: you call a handball there, it's still one-one, okay. And Atalanta is not forced into changes. 
you know, that they have to do to try to get something out of the game. Now, I will say this, you know, to balance this all out, okay? If Atalanta want to avoid this in the future, score more damn goals, okay? Go and do Atalanta mm-hmm. things to Juventus. You basically did Atalanta things to Juventus. Don't except let Barrow the take ball the, the back penalty of the kick. Net. Yeah, don't let Barrow take a penalty kick. So some of this is Atalanta's own doing, you know? Got no problem with... If you make Twitter want to come back and say those things to me, I've got no problem with that. Okay. But, you know, it's score more goals. <laughs> you want to you wanna make sure the referee is not going to be part of the problem. There you go. <laughs> score more goals. And especially if you're a team like Atalanta who creates chances by the boatload every game. Um, so, uh, Paulo Dybala kills this off um, after being played in by Gonzalo Higuain. Uh, to to make this three one, uh, and Juventus win their top of the table, blah blah blah. Um, what else is you know what else seems to be new these days? But uh, you know we talked about the you know is it Saudi adapting to Juve or is Juve adapting to Saudi? And I said I think Saudi is just using the resources he has right now to win games until he can get Juve to play Saudi ball. Um, I don't think Saudi's full on adapting to Juve. Now, if this carries on for the rest of the season, then, then fine. Okay, then then I'll go with it. But right now, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Not after 13 games. Um, so, uh, three points for for Juve. An opportunity missed really for for Atalanta. Um, and uh, you know, I think that. Uh, when you look at it, we, we talk about the incident that led to the 2-1 lead for Juve, and and that changed the, the, the dynamic of the game, and it's unfortunate. But when you take a look at it, um, Rafa, and you know this by experience, and, and I know what your feelings are, are for the man, but when he's presented with the opportunities, regardless of how they come, Gonzalo Higuain takes care of him and especially does it in big games for Juve. did it for you guys at Napoli for some time. Uh, now he's doing it for Juve again. Well, he he knows how to score against Atalanta. That's for sure. I think it's yeah. like ten or eleven goals in their last in twelve games in in twelve wow. matches against Atalanta or something like that. Um, yeah, you know, you can't see and and I can take a perfect opportunity to be subjective and say, you know. Higuain can go straight to hell, <laughs> but um, I can't I, listen. You can't deny the fact that Higuain is absolutely just come back from whatever funk he was in. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with finding confidence under Sari again. Um, the move from Juventus to Milan. Last season, kind of, I think, you know, put him down a notch. And then the fact that he wasn't doing well with Milan and now he had to go to Chelsea, kind of, you know, and he didn't really do much at Chelsea either. He scored a few goals in the beginning, but then that was it. Um, but I really think that his confidence was was being rebuilt under Sarri at Chelsea. And then the fact that he decided to, to keep him with him in... Um, in the squad at Juve was a big, you know, was a big thing. You know, players go through rough times. We're seeing that at Napoli right now. And that's why part of me is really like hopeful that everybody can pretty much come out of this funk that they're in 
and we can, you know, regroup and try to make this Champions League for next season. Um, it's the same thing that happened with Iguain, in my opinion. The guy is, you know, undeniably a a, a great goal scorer, uh, and he's actually getting in and and you know making really good passes now too. And I think he's just been revitalized under Sarri at Juve also, and you know. I hate to say good for him because I can't stand the guy, <laughs> but <laughs> but but good for Juve and good for the, their fans to know that you know they can sit Ronaldo down against a team like Atalanta and still come away with a, with an impressive win. Now, you know, favoritism aside, you have to have a team to be able to win matches to pull it all off. You know what I mean? So so and and that's exactly what they have. They're just. They're just, you know, when you think they're down, here here they are, you know? Right, indeed. Uh, uh, Richard, as it, as it pertains to Atalanta, I mean, this is, this is exactly why they're not a contender. This is exactly why they're going to be scratching and clawing for third and fourth. You know, just a few weeks ago, you had the likes of Connor Clancy and some of the Atalanta heads over there on social media talking about, why not us? Well, this is why not. Yeah, you have a, you're in a big game and you start playing well in the first half, but you make you make silly mistakes like not putting Gomez in the penalty, uh, not finishing your opportunities. These are the games that you're really where you're where you're where you are proven as either you know a legitimate contender or not. And you know playing against a team like Juventus, who is the reigning champion for feels like decades now. Um, if you, if you when you play this team, you have to step up and and go toe to toe with them. Take your chances when you got them. It looked like they did with with Golson's goal, but uh, they ultimately it's failed to to get that score on the opportunities that they had. They created plenty of chances. They just couldn't finish. Part of it was Chesney, but um, you got to come up and score goals. And you know they go score seven goals against other teams in Serie A, and then they come against Juventus and. You know they just freeze up, and and it's not the first time. In other big games, they've had the same situation, and also Champions League. You can look at that too. So, um, this team has some mental uh, mental gaps that they need to work on. They need to. I mean, I think the talent is there. They can certainly you know keep pace with the big boys, but uh, in these big games, for some one or some reason, they just falter and they can't. Um, they they're just not as clinical as they as they are. And you know, some of it you can say the other other teams' defense, but. I mean, they're still creating chances. They're just not scoring, and that's that's mentally. I think it's it's where they're where they're faulting right now, and that's why they're not uh, gonna be a contender for the Scudetto this year. For sure, for sure. So that was uh, Atalanta Juventus wrap up. Uh, go to at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your reaction to what we had to say. Uh, bring it, Juve. Bring it, Juve fans. All right, uh, Richard is now going to give us the other six games that took place over the weekend. Yeah, so we're the first game we're going to start on is actually um, at Jekyll and Hyde Torino against Pazza Inter. Uh, this game looked like, you know, just on paper that it would have been a lot of, a boatload of goals being scored. Uh, unfortunately, only one team got the memo on this one. Uh, goal scoring started in the 12th minute goal of the week candidate, Arturo Martinez. Uh, he gets a goal uh, to make it 1 0. Uh, and then Stefan de Vrij would get it, make it 2 0 just before halftime in the 32nd minute. Uh, Romelu Lukaku would continue scoring for Inter in the 55th minute. He would get his goal. Inter win 3 nothing on the road. Um, Torino not looking very good at the moment. Uh, their, their Jekyll and Hyde ways continue. Um, moving on to the Renato Dell'Aria and Bologna. Bologna hosting Parma. 
Uh, scoring started early. Goal of the week candidate Dejan Kulishevsky with a, in the 17th minute scores a lovely left-footed uh, goal, uh, make it one nothing Parma. Rodrigo Palacio would cancel that out in the 40th minute to go in halftime 1-1. Um, another goal of the week candidate, a team goal. Uh, this ended by Simone Jacoponi, excuse me, uh, in the 71st minute for Parma, giving the lead 2-1. It looks like they were going to uh, get away with the victory in this one. But in uh, fifth minute of stoppage time, my goal of the week, Blarem Jamali, uh, with the game-winning volley, top shelf, uh, Honors even in this one. What an exciting game. 2-2. Two, two. Um, that was a fantastic goal, Frank. Uh, I, I don't know if you've got a chance to see it, but that was that was some strike by Jamali. Yeah, I, I, a couple things on this. First of all, you know how we got the uh, the Soul Train music for uh, uh, Andreas Cornelius whenever he yeah. scores, right? Okay, I think we need uh, Pony by Genuine whenever Jacopoli scores. <laughs> <laughs> so what <one> season? <laughs> Can you do that? Can you get the legal rights to that? So that would be pretty slick. <laughs> It's just a shame that Jakob. That's probably gonna be the only only goal he scores this season. So we won't be able to use it. But it's at least. Yeah, I saw it. It was good. It's in my top five. It's not my number one. But but Jamali, yeah, what a what a what a blast. So I'd like to thank Bledem Jamali for stopping Parma uh, um, in their quest to catch Napoli on points this week. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, Napoli alum Bledem Jamali. My goal of the week. Welcome to the rails. <laughs> welcome, to the, welcome to the rails. Rafa. It's not. It's not nice down here, man. It's, no, it is. It's a cold. It's a little cold down here. Oh man. Moving uh, on. Uh, Hellas Verona is hosting <laughs> Fiorentina. Uh, this game would only have this goal game would only have one goal. Uh, it would be a lovely, lovely team goal by Verona, uh, capped off by Samuel Di Carmine. Uh, the 66 minute one goal is all it would take. Uh, Fiorentina, uh, a, a bad loss for them, but um, Verona, big win at home, uh, one nothing. A lovely team goal, as I said. Uh, going on to the uh, next day, Roma hosting Brescia. Um, many of us had hoped that Brescia would, you know, come to play in this one, but Roma was the only one who showed up. Uh, they scored goals and scored goals in bunches. Uh, first in the 49th minute, Chris Smalling continues to make his impact uh, on this Roma team, not only defensively but offensively scoring a goal. He gets a goal and assist in this one. His goal in the 49th minute makes a one nothing. And then in I'm the gonna, 50th- uh, let me let me cut you off there. I am going to yeah. I am going to make a comment about Chris Smalling. I think that this elevation of goals and chances that he gets is is directly correlated from the moment we put him in Team Serie A sit down for Fantasy Serie A. There's a correlation there. I like it. I, I, it's it's got to be. It's got to be. It has to be, 100%. Uh, his uh, scoring ways will continue in a sense. Uh, he assisted on his uh, center back duo's part, uh, Gianluca Mancini, his goal in the 57th minute. Um, the two center backs hooking up for that goal. And then in the 66th minute, Edin Dzeko decided a striker was time to score, and he would score in the 66th, make it 3 nothing. Romo cruised past uh, Brescia, made it look fairly easy. Um, Going on to the uh, Sassuolo versus Lazio matchup. Sassuolo at home. Um, the scoring would start with the uh, Capacanieri pick by Frank Cravello. Ciro Immobile scores his 15th in the season on the 34th minute, making one nothing Lazio. Just before halftime, uh, another person Frank's involved with, Francesco Caputo, his uh, cousin, scores, making it 1-1 just at halftime. The game looked like it was all but going to be drawn, but um, super sub Filippo Caicedo scores in the first minute of stoppage time in the second half. Lazio, their two strikers come up big. They win 2-1 to one on the road. 
Uh, their winning streak continues, and they move up to third place in the table at the moment uh, with Cagliari's match tomorrow notwithstanding. And then to round out the games, the, the last game of the week, uh, Sampdoria hosting Udinese. Sampdoria is still, you know, working the way out of the relegation zone. Udinese is trying to keep themselves out of there as well. Uh, scoring would start in the 29th minute. Ilya Nestrovsky, uh, he would score for Udinese and make it one nothing. Um, and we thought we were going to the halftime of that score, but uh, Manola Gabbiadini's take a bow, son. Uh, one of the goals of the week candidate with his wonderful free kick in the six minutes of stoppage time in the first half. Um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful strike for that one to make it 1-1. And then to cap things off, uh, Gaston Ramirez in the 75th minute through a penalty makes it 2-1. Sampdoria take all three points at home. Yeah, what a crazy weekend. Um, what do you make of all these games, Frank? Um, first of all, Kulishevsky, um, I'm going to, you know, we're, we're, let's, let's take a victory lap on that one, Richard, because we touted him way before everybody else did. So, and what a game he had, man. He should have had and a he hat got trick. first call up for Sweden this, this past. He did. Yes. As well. yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We were way ahead of everybody on that one. Um, you know, so we're, uh, we're taking a victory lap on Kulishevsky. Um, but uh, you know, good on Bologna to go ahead and rescue the rescue the point uh, and get the two two draw. Inter to keep pace with with Juventus, um, an important game at a Torino team that you know they took care of business. Um, and then uh, when you take a look at some of this other stuff, you know, welcome to the new dentist appointment. It's Hellas Verona. I mean, and and I'll tell you what, had it not been for Dragovsky, this would have been worse. He made I think five saves in the first half. Yeah, he was he was special in this one. Uh, you know, and Hellas Verona have some useful young players in their attack. Vera is good. Decomine, who scored the goal, uh, is a, is a, is a useful player as well. Um, so Ivan Juric has built a pretty nice team here uh, in a short amount of time. Faroni had the uh, assist, and we've seen him uh, pop up a few times here in the league and had himself a nice game as well. And you're balancing that with guys like, uh, you know, Amrabat, who, who came over. I believe he played for Watford uh, in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, – he, he's doing it with guys that are either no-names or guys that were just failures at other clubs. A guy like Salvatore Bocchetti, uh, who made an appearance here this – you know, in this game uh, and had a relatively good game. Uh, that back line for Verona did a very good job dealing with Frank Ribery and uh, Dusan Vlaovic. Um, but I think that this is also a little bit of an indictment on Fiorentina of late. It almost feels like, you know, when they have Ribery and Chiesa fit and playing together, they were very dynamic. And now one half of that equation is not available. And now you've got Vlaovic, who is a striker, is a nine and can score, you know, and is a guy you need to have in the box on, on crosses. But you take away the dynamism from Chiesa. Fiorentina get a little bit more predictable to watch. Um, so for me, uh, you, they, they got to find a way if they can get Chiesa fit and get back to that combination of him and Ribery. Um, and I think it was a situation, I don't know, he played for Italy, so I don't understand why he didn't get a get the call in this game. Um, but did he get hurt in the, in, in the uh, because he, he played, he went almost all 90 minutes against Armenia, so and I didn't see anything that suggested he was hurt. They just—he wasn't even on the substitutes bench, uh, Chiesa. So that's a head scratcher. Um, Roma finding different ways to score goals, which is going to be vital when you've got guys that aren't on form. Um, 
so that's good. Uh, you got you know Smalling as we've been we've been bragging about. Mancini scored a beautiful goal. I thought it was actually the Brazilian Mancini when I saw it uh, <laughs> coming out of retirement. But no, it was Gianluca Mancini with a with a nice tidy little finish. Didn't seem like a a defender's finish at all. Um, and then um, yeah, Lazio uh, continuing to find ways to win. Um, Ciro uh, Immobile. Yeah, I'm, and, and there's, I'm, I'm, that's two victory laps for me right now because the Immobile tracker, 15 goals in 13 games on pace for 44, would smash uh, Gonzalo Liguain's single-season record. Nice. Yeah, let's hope he does it. Yeah. Um, he, he, he just came out, I think, recently and said, you know, he's, he's loving scoring goals. That's like his life. So um, he knows how to do it. He knows how to do it really well in Serie A and, and, and continues on. Uh, this guy knows to find the back of the net no matter what. Either it's a pretty goal or ugly goal. He he, is, he has his poacher's goals as well. So uh, he keeps doing good things for, for Lazio. And, and, he, and Lazio are not just a one-trick pony. I mean, obviously, Caicedo can comes off as a super sub. Uh, SMS and, and Luis Alberto are back. And, I mean, just the whole team there are really playing well. And they're on fire at the moment. So, I mean, they're up to third on the table. Only, what, seven points behind uh, Inter at the moment and, and, and uh, eight behind Juventus. So... Uh, good on them. They're they're much more consistent this season under Inzaghi than they were last year. So, um, kudos to them for sure. And I'm all uh, for Immobile smashing that record to to smithereens. Thank you very much. <laughs> sure you are. <laughs> a, ne- a Neapolitan to boot. You know why not? Let's let's have it done. I also would like to publicly um, ask Rocco Comiso what the heck is going on with Fiorentina. And how can you allow a team like Verona to be two points from Napoli? That's that's <laughs> that's pretty sad, dude. What's going on? Uh, Rocco Camiso is actually a, a family friend of ours. So okay, <laughs> so you can ask him personally. I, I, well, yeah, no, he, he we're very close friends with his former brother-in-law, and uh, he was nice enough to give us a whole bunch of tickets for the game against Benfica when they came here for for the summer, and. Um, that was really cool. We got to sit in the little section where all the Camisoites <laughs> got to sit at. And <laughs> nice. It was, yeah, no, it's pretty, it is a pretty cool thing. I talked to my buddy, um, uh, he's actually the DJ who mixed our uh, intro song for our podcast. So, um, um, shout out Stefano Puntillo. What's going on, Steve? How you doing? Um, and uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll 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 ask him what the heck's going on and how could he allow Verona to beat them? That's that's pretty. <laughs> but I mean, notwithstanding, Verona is a very you know together. Look at eleven four, eleven against. You know, it's it's pretty. That's pretty impressive to be honest with you. In thirteen matches, you know. Yeah, uh, they're yeah. going to be a grind to play against uh, sure. for anybody right now. The way that uh, Juric has that team set up, um, I'm looking at Fiorentina's. Uh, game um, and well four minutes in uh, Montella was forced to take out Petzella for Ceccarini on an injury um, and then his other substitutions he went like for like in the 64th where uh, Polirola came on for Benuti um, and then uh, Getzal came on for Benassi in the 76th minute Chiesa was available on the bench and that Getzal for Benassi substitution did come about 10 minutes after I don't know if maybe Chiesa and Montella had an agreement before the game that said, hey, we're, you know, Chiesa wanted to rest, said, hey, did a full international tilt. Can I chill on this one? I, I can't believe that with how young he is and with how much energy he has that that would be the case or if that's just something that Montella chose to do. 
Um, but either way, some explanation. You're down a goal and and you don't have your best player out there uh, right. to play the last 15 minutes of uh, 15 minutes of the match. That's that's a major question mark for me. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot to be explained there uh, for Fiorentina. But uh, you know, kudos to Verona and kudos to the job that Ivan Juric is doing. I mean, I don't think that there's being, and I think it's being masked by just the explosive start that a team like Cagliari is off to. You know that we're not looking a little further down the table and seeing Hellas Verona in ninth, a team that we probably all pegged for relegation. Um, Juric really has hit his stride with this team uh, and has got, like I said, some young players here that are going to continue to grow and get better. Do I think they're going to go out and start scoring two, three goals a game? Absolutely not. I think this is the way Verona are going to play. I think that they're not they're not deluding themselves uh, by any measure that ninth is pretty right now, but we're still fighting to stay up in this league this for next year. <laughs> so it's just we're off to a really good start, and I think that that's the way that they're approaching it. It's the way they should approach it. So, um, you know, and Lazio, uh, you know, finding ways to win, uh, Richard. I mean, you know, and, and, and Jerry Mancini has talked about this multiple times. I mean, we're, we're talking about a Lazio that at Sassuolo, you could see them losing this fixture in the past. I mean, it's it's not out oh, of the yeah. question, especially the way Sassuolo play, you know, and with the mentality of this Lazio team, you know, historically under Simone Inzaghi, I feel like something has changed with this team. Um, and I don't know if maybe it's because I attribute it, and I think we talked about this with Jerry a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, re- I think I attribute it to the fact that uh, – Guys like Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto have gotten their shit together and they're back to playing with the kind of form that, you know, Lazio fans hope to see from them. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, certainly a big factor in it as well. And I also think, you know, winning the title last year in the Coppa Italia had a lot to do with it as well. They're like, look, we can actually win a trophy now. So uh, that has to do worlds of, of, of good in the confidence sure. department for them, you know. So I think that coupled with the, with the, the resurgence of SMS and Luis Alberto, um, they're doing wonders for Napoli, and the rest of the team are playing well as you know, really, really well at the moment as uh, as, as well. I keep saying as well. Shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, we it's don't get paid for things. this, Richard. Don't you don't have to feel pressured if you want to say that all the time. Go ahead and say it. Uh, well, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself saying it as well too. <laughs> uh, how well of you <laughs> you know it's it's just as well uh, everybody just turned this podcast off uh, <laughs> so might as well <laughs> what did i say about dead air being better than the, the milan napoli game didn't i say yeah. something about yeah yeah <laughs> um Okay, this batch aside, let's actually get to a question at the Calcio guys, uh, our yeah. Richard's drinking buddies up in Canada, um, <laughs> asked, uh, whose situation is worse at the moment, Milan's or Napoli's? Also, was the 1-1 draw the fair result, according to you guys? I think we answered that when we did our analysis of this game. 1-1 uh, was more than fair. N- neither team looked like they were ready to win the game. Um, and... Uh, you know, as far as worse, I think that we think that Napoli's situation is just a little bit worse than Milan's. We think Milan are getting out of their funk. They just don't have the wins to go with it. Napoli, it's just... Chaotic. It's chaotic right, right now, right? The backroom yeah. stuff, stuff on the field. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, if 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 you guys 
say that Milan are on the up, you know, with the style of play that Pioli is bringing in, then they're just not getting the wins. It, for us, it's it's the opposite way. We're headed the opposite way. We're we're losing our shit, and um, we're not losing matches, but we're losing our heads, and we're losing the locker room, and we're losing our you know f- finesse, basically, um, and you know. Two of those matches are losses instead of draws, which they could have been. Then the game against Genoa, you know, um, and we're talking about an even worse situation. So, you know, I feel like while Milan are, you know, trying to catch their stride and, and they can convert some of those to wins, um, and it would be great. We are absolutely desperate for wins, and. It's just not a good situation. No, the, the, but I mean, I, I, like you can normally you can accept a draw, you know, against Milan in Milan. Um, but it's this time it's just unacceptable. No, and shout out to the cultural guys too because they asked a question on our podcast this this past week too. Uh, really cool bunch of guys. I just started listening to their show too. Yeah. Um, and and you know they're doing a great job too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're doing yeah. a great job as well, Richard. Yeah, as they're well. doing very well right now at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this podcast uh, is derailing big time. All right. I mean, as long as we're we're talking about Milan and Napoli, let's bring up another topic that uh, kind of got floated around out there here in the last week. Zlatan. Um, apparently, Milan guy, Milan, uh, not the Milan guys, and Luca and Luca and uh, and. Uh, forgive me, the other fellow that uh, that's part of that. Um, uh, Milan Brass, I should say, met with Mino Raiola apparently uh, during the week and apparently met over Zlatan, and Zlatan's going to decide in the next few weeks. Uh, Aurelio Di Laurentiis desires Zlatan as well. Is there a scenario where he's at either of these clubs in January? Um, on the Napoli front, uh, Milik, his injury is a little bit of a cause for concern. Um, I'm I'm actually not aware of the extent of it. They haven't really been very clear, um, and I think that's their mo this season, Napoli, because when his first injury occurred in um, in uh, Michigan, uh, Ancelotti swore that he'd be fine in a couple weeks, and then he didn't get to play in a match until like week five, um, and. Basically, if that's the case and we do need someone to fill the shoes, uh, Zlatan would be a great option. And I'm going to use something that um, Marco Cubani D'Onofrio, my my um, my podcast buddy, uh, him and I um, were on the show this past week. I, it was me and him. And um, he pointed out something that made a lot of sense. I think with the the situation that Napoli's in right now, I don't think Zlatan's the right guy to bring in because, you know, as as much of a you know personality that he is, I don't think he'd be the right fit for the the crew and their mood at the at this current you know time. Uh, also, if what is true. If what I read is true and Zlatan is looking for a million euro a month, <laughs> I doubt that that's happening uh, under ADL's watch. So I don't really know if that's actually going to be a thing for Napoli, but um, time will tell, I guess. 
Frank, you know I love me some Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but I don't know if he'd be a right fit for Milan. One person that yes, we need veteran veteran leadership on the team. He would bring that, but he he's got a massive ego that is probably not it's probably more toxic than helpful for the team. And also, what does that say about you know your current strikers, Piantic, um, Leao, and Rabich, and all those guys? You're, just, you're basically going to cast them aside for bringing in Ibrahimovic. Yes, he'll help your team, but the confidence for those guys will shoot down even further down, and you can't have that at the moment. What you got to worry on is focus on and building that confidence that those guys have right now with the play. Uh, give them they get one goal they're gonna their confidence is gonna go up so you know bringing in another striker is gonna at least at least that caliber striker um, is really gonna put those guys downward you're basically throwing away millions of dollars from those players that you bought um, just to bring in another guy who yes we all love but uh, ultimately in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things I think will do more harm than good for for Milan so yeah he'd, he'd be a veteran leader but he'd be the, he'd be the wrong kind of leadership yeah I think so with that okay. ego um, we saw how it was before when he was here. There's plenty of veteran leadership here that could kind of cancel him out. There's no one there now. I mean, what's Rom- Romagnoli's not going to say anything to him. No one's going to say anything to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So um, it would just bring more more harm than good. And, and Pioli's certainly not going to be able to do anything against uh, against Zlatan if he had anyone you know say something. So Jerry has a problem with the uh, picture of Panettone that you selected for Rocco's tweet. <laughs> was no cheery mobile in it. <laughs> no, he just said that that brand is shit and that Trey Marie is really good. Okay. Even the even the bocce even the bocce panettone is good. Richard Richard <laughs> tweeted. I guess Rocco liked something we had to say and or like the Calcio guys question. And Richard just decided to show a picture of uh, uh, a, a well stocked shelf of uh, panettone and and Jerry's taking <laughs> exception to it. So. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to be more in-depth about Milan Napoli, but they didn't give us enough to be in-depth about. So we're talking about, we're fucking talking about Panettone on Serie A sit-down. So <laughs> I, I blame Rocco for that. Yeah, Rocco started that. Yep. So all right, go, goals of the week. Goals of the week. Uh, I'm going to go first here, and I'll give you my uh, five down to one here, guys. Uh, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a nod to uh, one of the center backs. I'm gonna give the nod to Gianluca Mancini. That's a tidy little finish for a defender. So he goes fifth for me. Um, uh, Bonaventura's equalizer in the Milan Napoli game ends up fourth. Uh, Gemali's um, volley uh, for Bologna in the at the death um, gets third. Uh, second for me is that uh, brilliant free kick from Manolo Gabbiadini. I had no idea he had that in his locker. Uh, but he brought it out, and it was a sight to see. So uh, Gabbiadini, certainly they gave – that was in the 45th plus 6th minute of the first <laughs> half. So they sure <laughs> gave them enough time to let that happen, right? Um, and then the uh, the goal of the week for me is uh, the Swedish international, Dejan Kulishevsky. We should celebrate this man because what a talent. We should also celebrate him because Serie A sit down, touted him before anybody. Um, and uh, he's getting uh, my nod for goal of the week, uh, Richard. Oh, man. Uh, honorable mentions for me. Uh, Lozano with his header. Uh, Handanovic making the saves galore in that game against... That's uh, an honorable mention. Yeah, it Milan is. Milan defenders is. standing with their thumbs up their asses while Lozano <laughs> just goes to a free ball and scores a you goal. Richard, you don't, have to make, you don't have to make me happy because I appeared on the show. <laughs> you got to put okay. him away. <laughs> Jesus, your standards are low. 
Piantic would have missed that. All right. Uh, Arturo was an honorable mention for me. Uh, and then the Parma team goal with uh, Jacoponi uh, scoring the goal was an honorable mention. But my top five, number five, Buenaventura, his, uh, his slice strike, a uh, wonderful goal there. Verona's team goal with Daniela Di Carmine uh, getting the goal. That's number four for me. Kulashevsky actually comes in third for me in this one. Uh, Manolo Gabbiadini comes in number two with an amazing stri- uh, free kick strike. What pace, what power on that. And then, like I said earlier, Blair Jamali, number one for me. Uh, I just love that volley, uh, game-tying goal. Uh, yeah, I loved it. Rafa, the uh, go-ahead uh, goal for Iguain was goal of the week for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, both goals. Yeah, it was moment of the week for me. Yeah. <laughs> for the wrong now, reason. Now, if I have to, if I have to pick a goal of the week, you know, I, I, I'm gonna have to go. It's a toss up between the Mancini goal for Roma and the Zamaili goal for Bologna. I think the 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 timing of the the um the Zamaili goal played a big factor in you know me me picking that for goal of the week for me um you know an amazing amazing volley um um but honestly that uh, i think it was um oh my goodness his name is escaping me Clivert to smalling to Mancini, yeah. like like just a just a really really nice nice goal and um you know, I, I I I probably give that one goal of the week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, not a bad not a, not not a bad one to go with. Uh, I mean, it made fifth for me. So, uh, winners and losers on the week. Um, you know, winner for me is uh, Sampdoria. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, give them an under the radar win. It's it's all starting to work here under Ranieri, and they're starting to finally climb out and maybe play to the talent that they're capable of. Um, you know, granted, Spall and Genoa, I, they can't they can't really catch them on points. Um, well, Genoa probably could, but you know, Lecce's playing Cagliari. You know, they could find themselves back in the bottom three if results go the right way on Monday, but or the wrong way for Sampdoria, but. Um, Ranieri's really getting this thing turned around, and uh, the results are positive. Um, unbeaten in their last four, uh, including two wins, and uh, uh, on the upswing for me. Uh, loser for me is Fiorentina. Uh, just uh, Verona is going to be a difficult proposition, going to be even more difficult when you don't have your best player feature at any moment of the match. So uh, Fiorentina in particular, Vincenzo Montella. Uh, Rafa, a winner and a loser for you? A winner for me would have to be Lazio. I think that um, I think that Inzaghi has this team playing so great. You know, he's found a way, like you said earlier, to to get you know SMS Luis Alberto Caicedo back playing to the way they can. Uh, Immobile is just on an absolute friggin' tear. You know, um, they 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 found a way to win today um, on the road. They did have a nice support system with them. There was a lot of fans coming in, but uh, I think Lazio for me are a winner this week um, and a loser. Uh, and you guys are going to laugh, but I'm going to give joint losers to Napoli and Milan. How's that? <laughs> it was a it was a high profile match. Enough. It was it was it. This was supposed to have been a match where one or the other are going to come out of this funk. And one or the other are gonna like sink deeper into a funk, which it had a, it could have had a lot of it had a lot of storyline coming in, 
and it just produced a real stinker on the pitch, and I think they're both losers for it. No, I don't have a problem with that. I had, I had uh, said, I think after the match, thank you for uh, taking two two hours of my life that I'm never going to get back. So, <laughs> I think mine said way, complete waste of time. Yeah. Um, Richard, winner and loser? Uh, winner of the week. Um, I was going to go Lazio, but I know, you know sticking in the same city, uh, I'm going to go Roma this time. Um, both Roma and Lazio with impressive wins in, in my book. Uh, Roma really made it look easy against Brescia when early in the season many teams found it hard against them. Um, really, the, the the new center back pairing for you know Smalling and Mancini are really starting to click on both ends of the pitch. And then um, Roma are getting, getting, getting things done, and uh, they're continuing to serve the table. Both teams are really you know sitting third and fourth, respectively, at the moment. Uh, so good for the city, the city of Rome right now. Um, losers for me, uh, I'm going to go to Turin, um, not Juventus, but I'm going to go Torino. Uh, a big flub against Inter. I mean, Inter, Inter really could have blown them out much, much worse than it was uh, if it wasn't for Sirigu. So, um, yeah, Torino, they just it's it's the curse of uh, of Mazzari, I guess. I don't know. They they can't find ways to be consistent anymore, and it's a shame because they got so much talent on the team. Their defense is so good. Well. Normally they're so good, <laughs> but giving up three goals against Inter and, and lose uh, pretty comfortably—that's um, my loser of the week. I think I found a third loser of the week for me. It's the Torino pitch was <laughs> god awful. Oh, gosh. How about the yeah. rains all oh, this weekend as well, man? The, yeah, the the weather in Italy was a loser too. And I did see something about Barella having to get surgery now, and I'm not sure um, on his knee. Ooh. I'm not sure how that. Uh, uh, that had anything to do with like the 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 pitch the pitch uh, this weekend that was it was pretty bad. Yeah, I do know that Lecce Cagliari was postponed. Uh, they're going to play Monday. Um, don't blame them when you're talking about player safety. Uh, you know, and obviously the <coughs> excuse me the impact now that it has. Yeah, Barella needs knee surgery. Um, it was uh, a sprained knee, but. Um, According to Football Italia, need further tests uh, to ascertain the extent of the damage. Um, keyhole surgery to remove cartilage fragments. Ouch. Um, which became detached from the knee. Wow. Ouch. Okay. Um, so that's not as bad as it could be, though. I've had that. I've had that done. You've had that done. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I've got it. Probably I've, out a month. I've got a bone spur in my knee right now, and I just went through an anti-inflammatory description per, dis- prescription. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Um, <laughs> well been, done, well I, done. I, I've been drinking too while we're doing this podcast. Um, I've gone through it. I still have the bone spur. I still have the discomfort, and I'm probably looking at going to have something different done to to fix this. So, but it's it's kind of a nuisance. But anyway, yeah, I guess we can. Uh, I guess we can go through that. Um, yeah, Jerry, we we don't have ketchup chips here in the United States. We're we're not as fortunate as you up there in Canada. So, um, but uh, anyway, that's uh, that's where we're at with winners and losers. That's where we're at with goals of the week. Uh, give us your opinion at City. I sit down on Twitter, Instagram. Let's rapidly go through Europe. Okay, and I want to just put the spotlight here with Rafa as our guest, Richard, on the Napoli-Liverpool game. Um, I'll just break down the uh, rest of the scenarios real quickly for the other games or for the other teams involved. Juventus uh, are going to host uh, Atletico Madrid. 
Uh, Juventus have qualified for the last 16 already, can win the group with a win at home over Atletico Madrid or a score draw of 0-0 or 1-1. I believe at 2-2 they're probably going to be safe as well. I mean, that that aggregate would be dead even, but then it would take them uh, getting a point at Leverkusen to go ahead and seal the deal as far as winning that group is concerned. Atalanta, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, yes, there is. Um, Manchester City will take on Shakhtar Donetsk. Atalanta hosts Dinamo Zagreb. Atalanta have to win. Uh, and then they need Manchester City. I believe a draw will be against Shakhtar Donetsk will be fine. Uh, and if they can uh, pull that off, Atalanta has an opportunity to go into match day six with a chance to qualify for the last 16. Have to win against Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, or else all bets are off. Uh, and then uh, Inter uh, going to go to Slavia Prague. And as we have said in the past on this podcast, that is not an easy task. Obviously, Slavia Prague getting a nil-nil draw at the camp, no. Uh, so um, now they travel to Prague needing to win uh, and needing the right result, uh, preferably Barcelona to beat Borussia Dortmund uh, to put Inter in position. Uh, or to at least put them into second position because I believe Inter hold the head-to-head on aggregate over Borussia Dortmund. Um, yes, they do because they had the 2-0 win at the San Siro and then they lost 3-2, so they hold aggregate over Borussia Dortmund. So win at Slavia Prague, hope Barcelona beat Dortmund, and then Inter will move back into second uh, with the all-important match day six home game against Barcelona. So now that puts the attention on Napoli at Liverpool at Anfield. Um with Salzburg looming, uh, traveling to Genk, and the way that they play and the way that they flow and the way that they score, you got to think they're getting out of Genk with a win and getting to seven points. Uh, so this will put a lot of pressure on Napoli here to get some kind of result at Anfield. Uh, Rafa, how do and how does Ancelotti and how do Napoli have to approach this, in your opinion? Uh, in my opinion, they they need to they they need to win this match um they need to approach it as um you know an all out like let's get this win um it, it is something to say that napoli when they play in the champions league turn it up a little bit now you know some people might say that we didn't really play that well against salzburg i saw a different napoli than I've seen in Serie A in the past few weeks uh, against Salzburg. I saw a little more intensity. I think um, I think if they come out with the same intensity or a little bit more, uh, they can get some sort of a result from this one. Um, they need to approach it as, you know, let's get a point or let's get the win because a win would steal qualification for us. Uh, and a draw... And a Red Bull um, not win, I guess, a gank result will yep. also will also have us qualify to the next round. Um, so, you know, get get what you can on the road to Liverpool, you know, uh, and and then leave it in your hands against gank in the last match, um, you know, at, at the San Paolo. Um you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully Genk can come away with something against Salzburg. <laughs> we'll see. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I think qualifying for round of 16 is very important given the, you know, we need some sort of a bright, you know, 
spot in in this season for 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 our club and getting to the next round is vital if you ask me Richard do you agree with this and how does Napoli have to approach this you get Liverpool you get this crazy pressing style that that Jurgen Klopp play a team that has gotten better defensively under him through the years uh, you know, a lot of that having to do with a player like Virgil van Dijk being in the team. Um, how does Napoli, in your opinion, beat Liverpool here? Uh, you know, kind of exactly what Rafa was saying. You know, you really got to go after, you really have to go after Liverpool. You can be smart about it. Ancelotti is, you know, this, uh, he knows how to play teams like this, that teams go after him. Uh, he does very well in these tournament games, as we mentioned, at, at nauseum, really. Um, I, you know, it's not going to be easy, but I think, you know, it's certainly going to be a tight game. We want, as fans, neutral fans, not Rafa, but neutral fans, we want to see, you know, high-scoring game, you know, 3-3, whatever. I don't think we're going to see that at all. It's going to be a, a tight game. One goal here or there, maybe 1-1, one, 2-1, one, one, something like that. Um, Napoli really need to um, take their chances when they have it. You know, Insigne and the guys, they need to come up big. When they get the chance, score the goals. Don't let these opportunities go by because, you know, you know Liverpool will score a goal uh, when they get its opportunity. So, you know, hopefully um, Koulibaly and, and the rest of the back four can hold up shop and, and do what they do when they play at their best. Um, I think, you know, the, the Liverpool defense can be had, but you just got to – you have to take your chances when you get them. It's not going to be easy by any stretch, but controlling the possession in the midfield – uh, and then using through the wings and cutting it into the middle and, and getting your shots off and getting the goals, scoring the goals is key um, for Napoli if they're gonna if they're gonna have any chance of beating Liverpool in this one. It's gonna be tight. They just they're have to they goals. have to put their shots in. They have to they have to make exactly. the best of their chances, you yeah. know, because it, it it's not like Napoli can't create a chance. They ha- they are it just right. There's so many balls that are hitting, you know, the woodwork and 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 you know near misses and just just bad decisions, bad shots, uh, you know, and they have to make the most of them. Otherwise, we're gonna get caught out and we're gonna lose this match to Liverpool. I mean, I, I in no in no way, shape, or form am I expecting Napoli to beat Liverpool at Anfield. I don't think it's gonna happen. But I think if we really play the way we're supposed to be playing, that we can beat them. Well, like I said, you know, two minutes ago, we're the only team this season that has a win on Liverpool. And, you know, who's to say it can't happen again? And this would be an immense morale boost if we were to be able to beat Liverpool at Anfield and clinch qualification in that fashion, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll take a draw and a gank win over Salzburg any day. And, 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 you know, you know, sneak into the, the round of 16 like that, you know, gank our home against Salzburg. So Salzburg aren't playing, you know, in, in, in uh, Austria where they really thrive, you know, they were unbeaten for, I think it was like something like three years before Napoli beat them. Uh, a three to two in, in in Salzburg, so they are on the road, and uh, you know, Genk do have Sanderberg that are that's being um, closely monitored by Liverpool, Napoli, and Chelsea, and Juventus, and you know, uh, you know, oh, but but on the other hand, Red Bull Salzburg have um, the kid uh, Holland. Uh, who has about yep. yeah? Who has about seven or eight goals now? He leads the he, tournament. He leads the tournament. Nineteen years old, yep. and he leads the tournament. Yeah, so it, it just it's just you know it, it's still up in the air. But you know, for Napoli to not make it out of the group stage would be a disaster at this point because all signs point to us being able to get out of this. So let's see what happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, indeed. Let's. Uh, for me, I think it comes down to, you know, when you think Liverpool and you play word association, people are going to talk about Mohamed Salah, but but Sadio Mane has really popped up well for Liverpool, um, and he loves playing in the Champions League. Uh, this, you know, uh, I expect Di Lorenzo to start at right back for you guys, and he's going to have to play his best game in an Napoli shirt. Uh, you know, for a positive result to happen. Uh, that's one, that's one key. Um, he can, he can mark the big, big, big name players, man. He's, he was all over Ronaldo against Juventus. Um, and I really do, I do think that he can, he can, you know, he can on his best day, he can hang with the big boys. I I think he can be a a really good, uh, you know, factor in this match. Uh, Salah is returning from injury, by the way, against right. Napoli. Right. He'll be he'll be back. So, you know, they'll have their full they'll have their full complement of players to work with. Um you know, so I think that that's going to be one key. I think the other key is is you know, how do they attack uh Liverpool's back line. I think that while he's been getting much, much better as a defender, Trent Alexander-Arnold is there to cross balls, okay, and to yeah. take set pieces. You know, so I think that you can still get at him a little bit. I think Robertson is solid, um, but I think that you can. I think that this is a, a back line that while they've gotten better defensively, they still can be had. Uh, you know, it's going to be a me- it's going to be an Ancelotti masterclass. Uh, it's going to have to be, he's going to have to pull one out of his hat. He's going to have to somehow get the trust of his players here, uh, and rally them, uh, if they're going to come away with a win that said, I think that they're not going to be inconvenienced by a one, one draw. If, if that happens, I can very much see that scenario playing out. I don't think Klopp will be bothered by that too much. I think they'll both go about their business and say, okay, it's a point. We're both on our way. Uh, so that's what I'm going to predict. I think this is going to be 1-1 at Anfield. It's going to be an exciting game nonetheless. Don't let 1-1 deter you. I think there's going to be a lot of chances in this game for both teams. But I just think that's how the game's going to end. Um, so uh, that's my prediction, 1-1. Rafa? Ooh. I'm going to I'm going to catch a lot of heat for making a prediction but I think I will make a prediction on this one. Uh-huh. Uh I'm going to uh, you know I'm going to say 2-2. I'm going to say a nice 2-2 draw and a a gank result will see both teams qualify for the next round. Okay, Richard? Uh yeah, I'm not going to go quite as high scoring as Rafa. I'll go 1-1 okay. as well. Yeah, we all think it's going to be a draw, a score draw at that. So uh, let's just uh, let's just see if that follows suit. So those are your champions. Like real quickly on Europa League, Lazio host Cluj have to win to have any hope of qualifying uh, for the next round, and then they'll have to travel to uh, uh, Stade Rene uh, on match day six, looking for a win, uh, and then hoping that Celtic are going to care uh, about their game in Cluj on match day six. So all intents and purposes, I think Lazio is done with the Europa League at this point. Um, going to be really hard for them to qualify given the con- given the situation that they're in. Roma, much tighter now. They will uh, travel to Istanbul, Basaksa here, uh, here on match day five. A win uh, could potentially put them a- on top of Group J, depending on what Gladbach do against Wolfsburger. Um, 
I believe a win for Mönchengladbach would put them ahead of Roma and would have them on eight with Roma on eight and Basaksa here on seven. So Group J is wide open. Wolfsburger is on four points and have every opportunity uh, to uh, qualify as well. So that one's much more wide open. Uh, so that's what you're going to see with the Europa League. And uh, with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. And uh, Rafa, uh, we give the floor to our guest first as far as anything that you want to plug. So have at it. No, just, uh, you know, catch us on at Far From Vesuvius on Twitter. I'm on, I'm at Rafanopoli83 on Twitter. Um, I love chatting. Um, I love, you know, just, just talking about Calcio Napoli. Uh, I will be going on, uh, I will be continuing my boycott of Serie A. So <laughs> now when I say boycotting Serie A, I, I watch Napoli matches and I just don't give a crap about any of the rest of it, to be honest <laughs> with you. Not anymore. Fair not enough. until, Fair not until I see a little more uniform in, in the officiating, you know, and, and, um, you know, we can talk about that on Twitter. So, you know, follow me and, and, and let's chat, man. Uh, but other than that, no, yeah, I'm just gonna run run a salon till in into the uh, uh, the, the the holidays and and kind of hang with the family. Excellent, excellent, uh, Richard. How about you? Uh, it's a holiday week, so it's gonna be very very busy for me. Um, yeah, just uh, it's busier than busier than a normal week, I guess, because it's a shorter week and families in town and stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah, other than that, you know, just uh, you can catch me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at r underscore k h a r m a n. Awesome, I'm at ftc underscore twenty one Juventus fans. If you want to have a chat with me, um, and uh, <laughs> talk about how your 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 my thinking of your privilege, your denial, we can go back and forth. You know, uh, but uh, I sit down on iTunes on. SoundCloud, we have our own channels there. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify. Just about anywhere there's podcasts, you'll find Serie Sit Down. Uh, Serie Sit Down on YouTube. Go check out the videos that Richard puts out there, uh, content roughly once a week. Uh, like and subscribe there. Um, and then uh, at Serie Sit Down on Twitter, on Instagram. And then we also have our own page on Facebook. So we're all over the place. Uh, so give us follows just about everywhere you go. Uh, Special thanks again to Rafa. It was great of you to come on. Great to chat with you as always. Congratulations on the uh, on the uh, impending nup- impending imminent nuptials and um, <laughs> impending. I say that like that's a bad thing for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It really no, it's is. not a bad it's thing a at all. Wonderful thing. Good. Hey, quick shout out to uh, Jerry Mancini, who was also on uh, Alex Dono's uh, Slam Show on SiriusXM. Gave us a shout out on there, so we hear you, Jerry. Thanks for the uh, kudos there. Yeah, Jerry and Alex, thank you very much for the time and the respect. We really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so, Rafa, let's get you out. Of, maybe we'll get you out of hate soon uh, and then have you on again, okay? Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would love to do that. And, and Richard, uh, nice stash you're growing there, man. Keep it up. <laughs> thank you. Almost yeah, as more, epic as this days. beard, dude. Almost as epic as this beard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, excellent stuff, gentlemen, and thank you very much as always. And uh, uh, this is Serie A Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. For Rafa, for Richard, I'm Frank. Uh, Thank you for listening, and as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.